The easy access to a diversity of food and cuisines is one aspect I love about living 40 minutes from New York City. Besides shopping at immigrant food markets, scouting through bodegas aisles, and eating out at restaurants, I particularly enjoy going to Smorgasburg, an open-air market in Williamsburg. The ferry ride from Pier 11 in Manhattan always stimulates my appetite and gets me ready to go on a tasting tour of the open-air food market. With more than 100 vendors, I stay focused in my selection and rotate my food choices at each visit. But I always end the food feast with a mango chamoyada from the vendor like New York, you know. Amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown, a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders. Discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host, Emmanuel. Welcome to episode 109 of the Flavors Unknown podcast. Today is a different episode compared to all the other episodes I've done in the past. I always had a guest on the podcast, but today this episode is published on November 8th. Today is the day when my first book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door, is published. So I thought that um, I will have a different uh, style today, and I am going to talk to you about the adventure of writing and publishing the book. So the book is available officially uh, today wherever you buy books, online or in bookstores. And obviously you can buy it as well from my website, flavorsunknown.com. And if you buy it directly from my website, I have decided to support the World Central Kitchen Association from Jose Andres. So for each book that will be purchased directly from my website, I will donate $1 to the World Central Kitchen to help bring fresh meals to people in crisis. What is exciting at the moment is I have started to do some interviews about the book. You know, that's the time of the, of the promotion. And I have always questions around the reason why I decided to uh, write the book. I have to say that First time I heard someone talking to me about a book was a colleague of mine at Simrise, the, the company I work for. It was back in probably 2018 when I started the podcast called Flavors Unknown. And my colleague, Nadia Piatachenko, after maybe five or six episodes said, hey, you know, you should write a book. And I, I have to say, I love, you know, at that time, I thought it was a crazy idea. I have to thank her because uh, somehow... She planted the seed in my brain and, you know, regularly I started to, um, you know, to think about this uh, project of, uh, of a book throughout the years. But it is just before the pandemic when I was constantly exchanging through direct messages on Instagram with uh, people that were listening to the podcast. They were telling me that they were listening to one, two, three episodes because they knew the guests or they were from the city where my guest was from. And I was wondering, 
you know, how I can bring more people to listen to the podcast. A lot of the listeners said, we are cooks, we are chefs, we are foodies, and we buy uh, books, you know, uh, related to food. So it would be great if, you know, you would write a book, especially with all the great content that you have uh, from all the episodes that you have recorded. I knew I had a lot of great content throughout all the episodes and all the great guests that I had on the podcast because I always ask similar topics through the different interviews about their path to success, about their different sources of inspiration, their creative process. And when it comes to creating a dish or creating a, a cocktail or a dessert, so I had common threads throughout all those interviews and I had the possibility to um, structure a book with the main themes that were covered from the discussion that I had with, um, with the different guests that I had on the podcast. But the main question that I had in my head was, am I able to write? And if I write something, is it going to be interesting, you know, for the people that, you know, I would like to be the readers of my book, meaning, you know, all the foodies, people that are cooks, that are maybe culinary students or that are chefs. So that's more or less, you know, the type of audience that I had in mind when I was thinking about potentially writing a book. So I started scouting the web, looking for resources for new writers. And you can find a lot of things when it comes to uh, fictions. So if you write a fiction, there's a lot of things available. But when it comes to the book that I had in mind, it is definitely more a memoir or like a nonfiction. And then the resources are a little scarce. I had the chance to one day to identify a community of, uh, of writers that is led by a gentleman called Steve Harrison. And he has a program called Get Published Now. So it is a program with um, coaches that help writers. I decided to attend one of the sessions and I pitched, you know, the idea that I had. And it was really surprising to me, but um, the feedback was very positive. And they thought that uh, the topic, you know, of... Uh, writing a book and giving the voice of um, multiple chefs and as well my own, you know, experience in the food industry was something, um, you know, of interest that was really different from a lot of books that are published nowadays. I had um, a, a coach and her name is uh, Deborah Englander. We started working together. I wrote um, about 10 pages and I sent it to her. And she gave me a very positive feedback on the style and the fact that I was good at telling stories. So I should pursue the project. So I started writing the book in May 2020, and I finished the manuscript in, at the end of February 2022. So it took me yeah, 22 months to write the manuscript. I really want to take the time to um, thank Debbie for her support and her feedback and her directions when I was writing the book. She was always available. I was able to um, send things to her and she was sending them back to me with, uh, you know, her advice and corrections. And uh, so they uh, thank you very much because I would not have been able to uh, complete the project uh, without your help. <music>
my book conversations behind the kitchen door is my collection of dialogues with award-winning chefs from various backgrounds and cultures, sharing their personal experiences of where and why food culture is where it is today. So I explore the future of culinary creativity that is based on 50 conversations that I had with American culinary leaders on the podcast. So it's about maybe like the, a bit more than the first three seasons of, uh, of the podcast. But I don't just rehash like the episodes. I have included private conversations with the chefs and beverage specialists and as well food entrepreneurs. And I make connection as well with my professional years as an executive with one of the leading food industry supplier. And you will see that um, in the book, I engage with working chefs from a wide range of backgrounds from a Michelin-style restaurant to um, you know, owners of food trucks. A few uh, weeks ago, I had an interview from uh, Andrew Friedman from Andrew Talks to Chef, the Chef podcast. And he asked me the question about like, the process you know, of, uh, of writing the book. And I have to say that it was a tedious process at the beginning because um, I had to review you know, f- uh, at least 50 episodes of the podcast and trying to understand, you know, what are like the main common threads that I could find, you know, throughout those, the discussion and conversations that I had with uh, those culinary leaders. I have to say that I had the help of uh, uh, one of my brothers in, uh, in France, Dominique, who is based in, uh, in Provence. The little challenge is that he doesn't really speak English, so I had to, uh, you know, translate a lot of the content, but he helped me identify some really relevant quotes from uh, the chef that I interviewed around the main topics that I wanted to highlight you know, in the, in the book. It was good to work with him because he's passionate about food as well, and we were able to bounce uh, ideas off of each other. So that was a very important step for me. So after many back and forth with my brother, with uh, the writing coach, I finally decided to structure the book in seven chapters, so seven big chapters that was based on all the main topics, you know, from the conversations that I had with the, with the chefs. Chapter one is called The Making of the Chef, covering how those chefs became successful and as well that there is different path nowadays if you want to be a chef and earn a living from your passion of cooking. Chapter two is the flavor memory database. It is really about the inspiration um, phase when, of the creative process. The third chapter is farmers foraging and roadside riches. This is about access to uh, quality ingredients and that everything starts with, you know, with the produce. The chapter four, I call it like a mosaic of cultures. It was important for me uh, to feature on the book the influence coming from uh, the first, second generation of a chef that comes from other horizons. So the importance of uh, the immigrations in the, the influence of uh, the way how America eats today. So I had on the show, I would say about 20 chefs and culinary leaders that are either first or second generation American. The chapter number five, it's called Creative Decisions. This is all about the different step in the creative process 
which is interesting when I interview the culinary leaders about their creative process. Most of the time, they talk about the products, all start with the products, but they don't believe that they have like a process when it comes to the creative approach. That was really interesting for me that when I went through all the recordings that there was about seven creative approach that were used by the chefs and then mentioned them, you know, in, in the chapters. This is really something that popped up during the uh, writing exercise of the book. The um, chapter number six, it's called Beyond French Techniques. That was, was a funny one for me to write, being, um, you know, obviously French. But it was interesting from the discussion with the chefs that um, a lot of them are trained on the classic French techniques. But those culinary leaders are giving the advice to go beyond, you know, the French techniques and they, and discover uh, techniques coming from, um, you know, other um, countries. And the last one, it's called the kitchen as a metaphor for life. When I have interviews about the, the book and doing the promotion, I have often the questions that what does the last chapter title mean? The kitchen as a metaphor for life. Every day is a challenge when you work in the kitchen. You know, you believe that you are in control of your destiny, but um, there's always something that comes around and, and challenge you. So like, uh, you know, life does. Those individuals are in constant pressure and like life put you in constant pressure as well. They are individuals that are constantly learning, which is what, you know, life is about as well. You know, the other reason that I choose this title is because I learned from those culinary leaders that you should not follow like recipes. So it's like, you know, when you think about life as well, uh, you know, if you follow the path from someone else, or if you follow a recipe in a kitchen that someone has written, you know exactly what you can get, you know, uh, what you're going to get, um, you know, when uh, you take that, uh, whatever, the dish out of the uh, of the oven or, or, or the pan. So don't follow the recipe. Don't follow the path that someone else has written for you. Just write your own path. Being part of uh, the Steve Harrison Get Published Now coaching program, I learned a lot about an industry uh, that I had no clue about, which is the publishing industry, the writing process. Very quickly came the question about, do I want to self-publish or do I want to publish uh, the traditional way? And if the self-publishing brings a lot of you know, positive aspect, uh, especially, you know, the speed, you know, you can really finish the manuscript and quickly publish the book, but you, you have to take care of a lot of things, you know, on your own. The distribution of the book is as well, you know, limited. So I decided to go for the, the traditional way of publishing, which takes a bit more time. And of course, <laughs> that brings as well other challenges and, and steps because you cannot pitch like the publishing companies directly, you have to go through an agent. So the first step in, um, you know, my quest to uh, publish the book was to, um, to find an agent. But before you can find an agent, you have to write a book proposal. So this is a whole project on its own. A book proposal has about like, you know, 15 pages. 
and you have to have uh, two chapters written. And in a book proposal, you have obviously to talk about yourself, who you are, what's the book about, what's the target audience, and you need to have a competitive uh, set. You know, it doesn't mean like um, uh, how your book is going to be different compared to what's out there. Um, and then you have to have a marketing plan. So you need to explain how you are going to promote your book and what are the different channels of uh, communications that you are going to, uh, to uh, use like me as a writer. So that was a whole um, adventure, uh, you know, on its own to write the, the book proposal. And when you have the book proposal, then you can pitch the agent. So that's what I did. And um, I, after I pitched maybe, uh, I'd say probably 14 different agents, I had two agents that uh, were interested in the project. And I selected one of them. Her name is uh, Janice Shea. So uh, thank you very much, Janice because um, he, she challenged me. She um, looked at the book proposal, she read the chapters, and she felt that I didn't put enough of uh, myself in the book. You know, there was great things around like the culinary leaders. I had like a good content, uh, good stories, but she wanted to uh, see more of me in the book. So I um, rewrote uh, those two chapters based on her advice. And um, yeah, it was successful and uh, she liked what I did. She decided to, uh, to represent me. So thank you again. <laughs> uh, that was a, a great step, you know, for me. So who are those culinary leaders that are featured in the book? I have to say that I had to make a choice based on all the different guests that I had on the podcast. Among the chefs with whom I have spoken and glean insights are many nationally known names, including Gabrielle Crother, Antonio Bashour, Johnny Spero, Elizabeth Faulkner, Edouard Lee, Jose Garces, and Dan Kluger. I have included as well acclaimed chefs and other food service figures who are making a local impact and drawing inspiration from a wide range of personal experience and interests from Austin, Portland, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, and Miami. It is very important for me to thank all those individuals because without them, the book will not exist. Chef Elizabeth Faulkner kindly accepted to write the foreword of the book. And so thank you very much, Elizabeth, uh, for writing the foreword. That was something that was very important for me. Elizabeth is a road model for the new generation of uh, women cooks and women chefs. She represents someone that always challenged herself and reinvented herself, started as a pastry chef, uh, then after that became a chef, and then now being a food consultant. It was important for me to have a, a woman chef feature in the book first, writing the, the, you know, the foreword. And then while I was uh, continuing writing the book, my agent contacted me somewhere at the end of November of uh, 2021 and uh, gave me the great news that um, a publisher was interested in the project. And uh, in fact, in December 2021, I signed with uh, Morgan James Publishing. And it was, um, you know, a great adventure of um, creating, you know, like the front cover, the back cover, like the interior layout, uh, you know, of the book. I want to thank the, the whole team at Morgan James Publishing for uh, making this uh, 
project of the book concrete and uh, turn it into uh, something that I can now hold in my hands. So um, thank you very much for that. Let me read you guys an abstract from uh, the chapter number four called The Mosaic of Sculpture. The easy access to a diversity of food and cuisines is one aspect I love about living 40 minutes from New York City. Besides shopping at immigrant food markets, scouting through bodegas aisles, and eating out at restaurants, I particularly enjoy going to Smorgasburg, an open-air market in Williamsburg. The ferry ride from Pier 11 in Manhattan always stimulates my appetite and gets me ready to go on a tasting tour of the open-air food market. With more than 100 vendors, I stay focused in my selection and rotate my food choices at each visit. But I always end the food feast with a mango chamoyada from the vendor La New Yorkina. Chamoy is a savory sauce condiment from Mexico made from dehydrated fruits such as apricot, mangoes, or plum, or a combination of these, chili powder, salt, sugar, and a little citrus juice. It is sweet, sour, salty, spicy, and a little tart, a perfect combination of flavors. Traditionally in Mexico, side road carts sell fruit slices like watermelon or mango as snacks and drizzle chamoy and shake some tagine on top. La New Yorkina stand in Smorgasburg blends chamoy with the fruit ice of your choice. For me, it is often mango. Shakes tagine on top and inserts a long tamarind candy in the cup. An excellent treat that I take with me while continuing my food exploration of the streets of Williamsburg. Walking out of Smorgasburg, I cannot stop thinking about the 1965 Immigration Act, and in a way, this open market is somehow a result of it. The diversity of vendors is the perfect illustration of the food of this country, the immigration story, and the constantly evolving American palette. I remember my French family, in the early years after moving to the U.S., asking me, how would you define American cuisine? None of my answers would satisfy them, as each time I was giving them an answer, they would comment that I was mentioning either Chinese, Italian, French, or Mexican influences. They would always say, see, there's no real American cuisine. I confessed to Levin Wallace that 20 years ago, I did not have the knowledge of American culinary history that I have now, and I couldn't tell them how immigration played a critical part in that story. My only point of reference at that time was France and other Western European countries with long culinary traditions and heritage. Throughout my 20 years in this country, I told Wallace that I embraced the fact that American food is the food of immigrants. This book is a must-read for the food enthusiasts who are emotionally connected with the food and drinks they like. They will enjoy learning about the journey and stories of the chef that prepared them. This book will help the readers know how to choose quality ingredients and develop relationships with farmers and at farmers' markets and, and find inspiration while um, traveling. I have a section in the second chapter called the Flavor Memory Database, which gives tips on how to organize a tasting tour while traveling. You know, this book is really great as well for culinary students. It talks about the importance of establishing short-term and long-term goals 
and finding uh, mentors to guide them and, and challenge them. And for cooks and, and chefs, they will see different sources of inspiration, uh, the creative process uh, that is really described in uh, one of the chapters and how to evolve you know, in this industry. So there's really something from food enthusiasts to uh, food entrepreneurs, uh, food culinary students, and, uh, and, and cooks and chefs in the book. I didn't include any uh, recipes, uh, though the, you know, many chefs gave me uh, recipes. So what I decided to do is to put it together into um, an electronic booklets. And if you are interested, you can uh, go to uh, my website, flavorsunknown.com, and there is a tab on, on top on the menu that says uh, recipe booklet, and you can download the recipe. There's about 20, 20 something, you know, recipes from uh, the chef that are featured in the book. So uh, there's uh, very exciting uh, recipes that uh, you can try, you know, at home. Some people ask me if I um, ever had the writer block. Yeah, of course. It happened, especially because um, the writing during the pandemic, where in fact I have to write at home in my uh, home office. It is the same home office that I use for my day job. So it's not easy to switch, you know, at the end of your day job and, um, you know, suddenly to be in a creative mode for writing the book. I tried. I tried to wake up early in the morning. I tried to write, you know, in the evening after the whole day of work. And that never really worked for me. You hear a lot of advice from different writer coach or writer clubs that um, you should write, you know, like every day, maybe two pages, half an hour, whatever it is. I have to say that never worked for me either. So I think the most important is to find something that works. And for me, the only way was to take long weekends leaving home on the Friday and coming back on the Monday and uh, rent an Airbnb and um, be on my own. And I was able to uh, to write. I was waking up at five o'clock in the morning and I was writing from five to, um, you know, probably lunchtime. And at lunchtime and at the beginning of the afternoon, I was exploring uh, local restaurants and breweries and coffee roasters. And I called those long weekends my... 3T process, which is, in fact, travel, taste, and type. And um, I was revising, in fact, um, at the end of the day, what I had written in the morning. That was the only way for me to do creative writing. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode, which is, I understand, a completely different episode compared to the Flavors Unknown podcasts uh, episode so far. I thought you might be interested about stories behind the scenes of the making of the book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door. Today, November 8th, is the day where the book is officially published and available wherever you buy books online, as well as in a bookstore. And if you do not find it in the bookstore that uh, you are used to go to, please mention it to um, the people at the bookstore because um, the book is available on Ingram, which is a database that every bookstore can get book from. So 
they can definitely get that book, you know, for you. So uh, don't be shy and, you know, and ask uh, uh, the person at the bookstore to get conversations behind the kitchen door. 50 American chefs chart today's food culture. Obviously, you can get it as well directly from my website. Again, I mentioned that if you buy it from uh, the, the website, there's $1 that is going to be given to the World Central Kitchen Association from Chef Jose Andres. If you are a restaurant and you want to um, have the book available at the restaurant, please reach out to me. That will be great. And if you are an association or a corporation that would like to have access to a bigger number of books in order to uh, give away, do not hesitate to reach out. You can contact me at uh, contact at flavorsunknown.com. Always make sure to follow us at any podcast platform, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts. Make sure to uh, follow us on social media at flavorsunknown.com. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And always, always DM me on Instagram at flavorsunknown. I love to hear from the people listening to the podcast. And I would love to hear from you guys after you have read the book. Tell me what you think. Thank you very much again for listening. And I see you in two weeks for the next episode of the Flavors Unknown podcast. The next episode will be a very special one. It was recorded from Madagascar. And it is a panel discussion with the three culinary leaders that I took on a trip to the island. It will be with Elizabeth Faulkner with mixologist Shannon Tibet and chef Michael Gulota. So you definitely do not want to miss this uh, upcoming episode. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at Flavors Unknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.